You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always. Mark, I know you're a little pissed at me, so before we get into the 49ers, as we do always, I please forgive me. I beg of you, please. I apologize. I am sorry that I messed with your pick earlier today. You can fill the people in on what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, so if you guys, faithful listeners of the 415ers, know I, I do like to venture into the gambling world a little bit. I'm not so sure I'd go as far to call myself a degenerate. Uh, but I, I had a bet on a college basketball game earlier this uh, afternoon. It is Wednesday currently. You're probably listening to this on Thursday. Uh, but I, I like to bet on some college basketball. And uh, I bet on Tennessee, big favorite on the road in Vanderbilt. Oh, boy. An SEC matchup. <laughs> Part of a parlay. They're a big favorite. I just took the money line not to cover any spread. And uh, they were up by two in the final seconds. Had an open dunk to make it a four-point game instead. Whoever it was, I'm not going to call out anyone individually by name. Whatever idiot decided to, instead of taking a sure two-possession lead, uh, try to dribble out some more clock, got fouled. They ultimately missed the front end of a one-and-one, keeping it a two-score game. And then Vanderbilt hits a three-pointer at the buzzer. Uh, Tennessee loses, and I lose my bet. All the while, while that was happening, uh, Evan was kind of poking me and prodding me about my bet and, and I thought Honestly, the game was over, bad. Mark. My bad. It's never over, especially <laughs> when you have money on it, okay? I'm sitting here uh, with my fingers crossed, sweating it out, and you come in, and uh, it was bad. It was well, bad. thank you for forgiving me, although you eh. never technically said it. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm, I don't I think I'm going to say it. That's okay. No bueno, no good news there for Mark <laughs> Grandy. However, there is good news in San Francisco and Santa Clara because Brock Purdy officially has decided when to get his surgery and which surgery to get. And that will undergo on February 22nd. The report is that Brock Purdy will have a repaired UCL, not reconstruction. He avoids Tommy John. Evidently, the second opinions or the third opinions or the fourth opinions result in him you know, heading towards the six-month timeline, which is kind of fitting for what we have heard from the 49ers camp in the front office and Kyle Shanahan. So everything appears to be A-OK for Brock Purdy as far as, you know, obviously you'd love to avoid surgery, but they avoid disaster with him being out for longer than six months. And uh, Mark, I know that you were trending towards, you, you, you thought this would be the case the entire time. I was a little bit more pessimistic, but I am one glad to hear that Brock Purdy will be good to go by, it appears, about August 22nd. Yeah, this was the report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network earlier on Wednesday. He's he's going to get the procedure done by the uh, Texas Rangers and Major League Baseball, their team doctor. The reason why is because, you know, baseball team doctors generally are more familiar with UCL injuries because of how rampant Tommy John is in baseball. So, so I think probably a good choice in terms of the surgeon. However, Evan... Um, I know the news is it is likely still going to be the repair, but as far as I understand it, and I, I'm not calling myself an, an expert on elbows and UCL injuries by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as I understand it, you can't really tell if you're going to need the repair 
or the full reconstruction until you actually open up and see the actual ligament because it, it has to do with how healthy the ligament is. Now, I, I think it is good news that all of the second opinions, third opinions, fourth opinions that they got, there's nothing alarming that they're seeing that makes them think Tommy John is necessary. But as I understand it, Evan, you don't know until you actually open up that elbow and get a look with your own eyes at the ligament. You're not really going to be able to tell much by an MRI in regard to that other than just, yes, it's torn. But is the ligament healthy enough to where it can, you know, work with a repair as opposed to a full reconstruction? I'm not so sure that you can see that until you actually start the surgery. So, yes, good news that there hasn't been any red flags up to this point, Evan. But I still think the biggest hurdle is when this surgery actually takes place that they don't see anything unexpected. I'm not saying I think it's likely that they will be surprised. I, I, I think it's a very good chance that it, it will be smooth and it will go as expected. But I'm not so sure we're quite over that hurdle just yet. No, that that's a good point. I was just going off the Ian Rappaport report, like you mentioned, which mentions towards the end that he will be you know, allowed to make a full recovery and be ready, quote unquote, by training camp. But you're right. And the doctor, Keith Meister, who'll be performing the surgery, I guess will have the final say over everything. Because once, like you said, you open that thing up and you see what the damage actually is, I guess a pivot potentially could be made. Uh, but for the purposes of this conversation, Mark, I, I want to dive into it the way that, you know, the report mentions with him being back. And it does... You know, we're, we're both kind of on the same page as far as Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, um, at least the hierarchy under equal circumstances right now. D does this change anything in your eyes? I guess we don't technically know until the surgery is performed. But to me, this is great news if you're the 49ers. And, and it sounds like, honestly, from the kind of comments that have been leaking out and trickling out, it does seem like this was what they were assuming as well. Uh, the the fact that they still think they need just the repair, again, the, the shorter timeline in terms of recovery, not full Tommy John, that does not surprise me at all. However, Evan, I was a little surprised to see the date. They're expecting to get this done on February 22nd. That'll be almost four weeks removed from when the injury happened. And you start to look at the timeline here. Uh, I know what Ian Rappaport said is, quote, uh, this surgery on uh, on the 22nd of February will allow Purdy to, quote, make a full recovery and be ready for training camp. Are you sure about that? Because every timeline that we've seen is six months. So let's say everything goes off without a hitch on February 22nd, Evan. He gets UCL repair surgery, not the full Tommy John, just the repair he throws in three months. That would be May 22nd. And then he's cleared and ready to go on September 20, or, or pardon me, on uh, August 22nd. That is six months out. Well, training camp generally starts on the 26th of July, give or take a couple of days here or there for a number of NFL teams, but right around that date at the end of July. The preseason starts. August 3rd with the Hall of Fame game, but most teams' first preseason game will be on August 13th. The second preseason game, August 20th. Again, remember the key date for Brock Purdy, six months after the surgery, is August 22nd. That's two days after the Sunday of week two of the NFL preseason. 
So let's just assume that it is a normal recovery and Brock Purdy is ready to go after six months. He would have one week to get ready for one preseason game. Then he has a bye week and then week one of the NFL season, Evan. I am not so sure that Brock Purdy, that the 49ers are going to feel incredibly comfortable with Brock Purdy that early in the season coming off of this injury if he does not uh, break the expected recovery timeline. If you're just giving him the six months, which is what everyone has said about this injury, Evan, he's not going to have much time before the start of the regular season. I That's why I'm wondering why are they taking so long to get this surgery done? I know they wanted to be careful and do their homework and, and avoid surgery if at all possible, but why are there these two weeks between the announcement of the surgery and when he's actually having the surgery, because those two weeks, you get them back in August, that could make a big difference. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I would imagine, again, neither of us are doctors, but I would imagine it's procedural. I imagine there are things that Brock Purdy needs to undergo in order for the doctor to complete the surgery. And I'm sure that the date they picked is as soon as possible, or at least I would hope so. As far as being completely ready for training camp, I am with you that the timelines don't match up and it is maybe optimistic. But again, the six months is not the period in which he will be unable to move. The first three months are when he cannot use his arm and then he will eventually ramp up over the last three months. And should the surgery go successfully, I think there is reason to believe that Brock Purdy could return, maybe not for full contact, maybe not to be ready to be thrust into a preseason game, but be available for training camp. And and that's where kind of the, um, you know, the, the full participant or completely ready or, or back to health uh, insinuation from the report is a little bit dicey. But I do believe that Brock Purdy, according to everything that we've heard, will be available for training camp, will be around, and will be able to throw most importantly. So obviously the 49ers will err on the side of caution. Uh, but what it does mean, as if you're talking about timelines for me, Mark, it does mean that Trey Lance is going to have maybe two more extra weeks of offseason to prove to the 49ers that, of course, he deserves to be QB2 or maybe even QB1 if things don't go well with Brock Purdy, but to prove to himself and the entire coaching staff that he is a potential person that they have to weigh because the next part of it is, well, let's say Brock Purdy comes back and he's not as good as he was last year. Well, Kyle Shanahan has told us he has two two starting caliber quarterbacks. That means that if there's a scenario where the 49ers stumble out of the gates, they obviously have aspirations to compete in the NFC West. Things don't look great. If Trey Lance looks amazing in, in OTAs, if he looks amazing in training camp, he looks good in preseason, and he continues to play his ass off in practice, there could be potentially a scenario where if Brock Purdy hasn't responded the way that people had hope from his surgery, whether that's procedural, whether it's he's just not as good, um, Trey Lance has has a chance to change some people's minds. Like That's the other part of this that I see. Yeah, I think you're right there. That This is uh, a huge opportunity for Trey Lance. I think the other thing that maybe we're not even considering and maybe it shouldn't be considered until it, it happens potentially. Uh, but we talk about the timeline for Brock Purdy and the way that I see it, Evan, if it is on schedule, 
that's almost an issue. At least it feels to me just based on the pure timeline of it. And I understand what you're saying just because it's, it's not quite six months out doesn't mean he's not on the field, at least working on things by himself. Maybe he's not cleared for full practice and they don't want, you know, anyone on the defense breathing on him at that point. I understand, but that's just six months. That's, that's not even if he's beyond the recovery timeline. Like we're talking, the bad news is the six months timeline. What if there is some kind of holdup? What if his his elbow doesn't quite respond? What if his recovery is delayed a couple of weeks? Then suddenly he's not fully cleared until the regular season starts. I mean, and when have things gone smoothly for the 49ers at the quarterback position? Um, I feel like us calling the, the six-month timeline, recovery, window, whatever you want to say, and treating that as at the latest he'll be good by then. I feel like that's I mean, history tells us we shouldn't be doing that because something will happen this offseason for the 49ers of the quarterback position that we haven't been expecting. And then I think that's what you're what you're talking about comes in. That's where Trey Lance needs to have a fantastic preseason, a fantastic offseason specifically, and make Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers feel comfortable about him potentially opening the season as their starting quarterback. I'm, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. But all I'm saying is you are one setback away from a from Brock Purdy and, and his elbow from Trey Lance being the starting quarterback week one. That's not totally out of the world of possibility. That is imminently possible, given everything that's happened to this 49er quarterback position. Which is also why the next question becomes, okay, who's the third guy? And I know there's been not even rumors, but suggestions floated around by 49ers legends, by people in the media about a potential return of Jimmy Garoppolo. I, for one, Mark, will take Kyle Shanahan at his word when he says he does not foresee any scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo returns. But the sort of void of Garoppolo, which is open now, I mean, there's going to be a competition for the third spot. And I do think with the scenario that you've laid out, or the questioning and kind of the, um, I don't know, p- potential need of a second quarterback for, for the 49ers. The, whoever they bring in does become more important heading into next season. And, and I do think that it should be a priority to have a third quarterback that they trust and believe can start because there's a very real scenario in which they may need a third quarterback for a second straight season if you're looking at a guy coming off UCL surgery, a guy who's in his third year and unfortunately is coming off of injury and hasn't proven yet to us that he can be the franchise quarterback or even QB1 for an extended period of time. That third quarterback position might be the most important QB3 in the league. It might be. Uh, I'll tell you what, I... I am not that worried about the the third quarterback. I think uh, there's a very real chance, as you're saying, that it becomes an important position for the 49ers. But I'm not spending too much time trying to figure out who it is. Because if I am an NFL quarterback who either maybe I'm a veteran who's way past his prime, just looking for potentially my last job in the NFL, uh, I would want a spot where maybe I'm for sure the backup and I'm only one injury away from, you know, being the quarterback, maybe even a chance where you feel like maybe you can compete for the starting job. That's not the case with the 49ers. 
I know that people have, have thrown out Andy Dalton. People have thrown out uh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has a connection to Kyle Shanahan, of course, from their time in Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe that happens. Maybe they they do what I don't think they will do and, and accept a, a third string job with the 49ers. I just feel like that's not in those guys' DNAs who have been starting quarterbacks for much of their career at this level. I think the 49ers uh, would be going after a career backup, a guy similar to a Nate Sudfeld, similar to something like that, who they had in camp and signed to a guaranteed deal last year. That or they draft a guy or two in the fifth or sixth round of this upcoming draft. I, there's a real good chance, as you laid out, that the Niners' third-string quarterback is important once again in 2023. But I'm not wasting too much uh, you know, time trying to figure out who that is. It's an important decision, of course. But I'm not so sure the names that are being thrown around are going to come to fruition. Because if you are a quarterback who has accomplished decent things at this league, why would you come to a team where you're going to be the third-string quarterback? I know there's a possibility of injuries, and if you had to bet on injuries at any one position across the league, maybe you might bet on the Niners quarterbacks just because of, of what have what has happened the last couple of years. But I'm not so sure that those guys are going to be willing to come to the 49ers. Yeah, and, and who knows? Look, if San Francisco wants to stick with their guys and, like you said, draft a quarterback or, or bring in even someone like uh, not exactly Josh Johnson, but someone along the lines of Josh yeah. Johnson, then then that might be interesting to keep an eye on as well. We'll certainly, of course, keep our eyes on everything having to go on with the quarterbacks here on the 415ers podcast, brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 in the game. Follow Mark on social media at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. I'm on social at eGettings10. Um, okay, Mark. Well, the other part of that quarterback equation, of course, is Trey Lance. And obviously, we've talked about the opportunity that lays in front of him, the chance that he has to... I, I don't know if regain ground is, is the right way to put it, but certainly impressed some people this off season with I'm sure the work that he's been putting in and has, you know, been delayed by with his surgeries. Uh, but he was over at uh, radio row and he's down in Glendale, you know, doing as a lot of NFL players do uh, the, the media tours I was talking to rich Eisen earlier today. And I know we have some sound from that that we can get to, but first and foremost, like I, I'm rooting for this guy. I know there might not be a quarterback spot for him. I know he might not be QB one. I know he may never be QB one in San Francisco if Brock Purdy doesn't give him the chance. But I cannot emphasize this enough. If you do not root for Trey Lance, I feel like there is something just a little bit wrong with you yep. because this guy seems to have a great understanding of the situation, no matter if he's the guy that was traded for with three first-round picks or if he's that same guy that has been relegated now beneath the guy who was Mr. Irrelevant. He understands everything in the room, and he understands also the type of work that he needs to do, and it all revolves around Trey and himself, not anything that anybody else is doing or the coaching staff that hasn't given him the opportunity. He's been the consummate professional thus far. I don't know if you learned it from Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if you learned it from college. I don't know if you learned it from the fact that his dad was a professional. I don't know where he learned it, but Trey Lance has been very impressive to me for a guy that I haven't seen play football. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I, I I suggest if you haven't seen his interview on the Rich Eisen show, you should go and give it a listen. We do have some of the sound that we're going to run by you. I'll run by uh, one of the pieces here for you in just a second. But you're totally right. 
Uh, if you are not rooting for Trey Lance, then I'm not sure what to tell you because at every opportunity along a very, very bumpy first two years in the NFL, he has said the right thing 100% of the time. He has never thrown anyone under the bus. He has never said the wrong thing. He has consistently been a great teammate. He supported everyone, whether or not. I mean, we've had this conversation for a lot of the season, how it might feel difficult for him to support the Niners now that Brock Purdy was leading the way because he felt like this was his team and maybe he didn't get a fair shake. And, and suddenly Brock Purdy, a seventh round rookie, is having all this success and he's the talk of the league. Meanwhile, Trey Lance is sitting on the sidelines you know, in a walking boot. It, it's easy, I feel like, it would have been easy for Trey Lance to, to feel that way. And, and maybe he does, you know, privately, who knows, but everything he is saying publicly is the right thing. And and this is where I want to get into what he said to Rich Eisen. Rich basically asked him, you know, do you want to just be given the starting job? Like, do do you just by default, you're a first round, you know, quarterback. Do you, do you just want that starting job because it's it's where you were drafted? And, and here's how he answered. Uh, it wasn't that situation, and I, I wouldn't want it to be that way. Um, Brock played way too well, um, and, and Brock played at, at such a high level and handled himself the right way. Uh, I don't I wouldn't want it to be a, a situation where I'm just handed something. Um, and I feel horrible, obviously, for Brock for his injury. Um, but for me, I mean, I mean, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. Uh, whether it's his, he's going to be better for it. Mine, I'm going to be better for it. Um, and I'm excited to just get on the field and compete. So uh, that's all I want an opportunity to do. Are you kidding me? All he wants against a seventh-round rookie, Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, is to get on the field and compete. And this is coming from a guy who was drafted third overall just a couple of years ago. I, I know it's, it's just an interview, and, and he could be saying it for all of our benefit, but I don't know how you can listen to that, Evan. And the interview goes on. He was fantastic throughout the entire interview. I don't know how you can listen to that uh, and and not root for this guy and not feel confident that he's going into this offseason knowing everything that's on the line for him personally. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like the Niners would solve a lot of their issues at the quarterback position, Evan, if they just put Trey Lance in front of a mic more often. I don't know. I, I, all the talk about Trey Lance and Brock Purdy and even Jimmy Garoppolo – Make Trey Lance more public-facing, and I feel like a lot of those questions are going to be answered because I feel like part of the reason why the Niners or Niner fans are so, I don't know, concerned about Trey Lance's future, and some of them are ready to move on and and just give it to Brock Purdy and tell Trey Lance to, you know, get the hell out of here. We just really don't know who he is yet. His first year, he wasn't the starter, didn't talk to the media much. His second year, he was the starter for five quarters spoke to the media after one game, you know, after some practices leading up to those games and all that, but we really don't know who he is yet. If you listen to Trey Lance speak, I think it's comforting. And I think you'll feel a little bit confident about, of course, the person he is, uh, but the fact that he has the right mindset as a player heading into a potential quarterback competition. Well, number one, I think the idea was for him to become the public face. Like that's, that was the plan. I mean, that's why he was taken as high as he was. And I think the second part of that is, I think that's one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan fell in love with him. Because in all honesty, there wasn't a whole lot of tape to base Trey Lance's performance off of. Like he had one great season in college against competition that people continue to denigrate and is understandably so. 
So Kyle Shanahan has a, you know, a little bit of footage and then he's got an opportunity to talk to this guy before the draft. And during the COVID year, there's not really a ton of face-to-face interaction. There's not a ton of, all right, I can go watch this guy play. I see why Kyle Shanahan fell in love with it. It's hard not to, right? And I can only imagine the way he talks about football. Well, I've actually heard the way he talks about football. And um, look, I, I covered him at, at North Dakota State. Like, he's an awesome dude. Like, it, it's not a, it's not a, a, a facade. Like, it's not an act. Like, he is a great person. I do believe that. And every person that has played with him continues to say the same thing. But the way that this is trending in San Francisco and the, what, to me, Trey Lance has to kind of um, switch or flip if he's given the chance as far as the narrative surrounding him is – Good guys finish last. Like that. That's kind of the way that I view Trey Lance right now. Is he says all the right things? He's he's seemingly does all the right things, and yet when it comes to the football stuff, for whatever reason, we haven't seen the the trust from Kyle Shanahan on the field, even when he was healthy. And that to me is unfortunately what speaks the loudest when we're talking about the quarterback position. Trey Lance has all the Ex, you know, external tools. Hey, he has all the intangibles, it seems, to to represent an organization, to be a great face for a historic brand. And at the end of the day, that doesn't mean you can throw a touchdown. That doesn't mean you can run for a first down. That doesn't mean you can hit an open receiver on a five-yard slant. Like, that's unfortunately what Trey Lance has to prove, and it, it just will be unfortunate in my mind if he doesn't get the chance because I want to see it. Yeah, I want to see it too, and I, I'm with you. Uh, I I know we have this conversation a lot this season, you know, how Kyle Shanahan called plays and set up the offense for Trey Lance uh, in his limited time as the team's quarterback, going back to his rookie year when he filled in a couple of times for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, and then, of course, this most recent season when he was the team starter to open the year before he broke his ankle. Uh, I am in agreement with you, and I think most – of our listeners that those play calls and the way that he designed it for Trey Lance seemed a little concerning. Maybe it, it spoke to Kyle Shanahan, not fully trusting Trey Lance. Um, while I do feel that way, I also think it's, it's too early. It's too small of a sample size to come away with that um, conclusion entirely. And there's still a lot of time for things to change. Um, one other thing, I guess two other quick pieces of sound that I wanted to make sure that we played for our listeners here today, Evan, is uh, Rich Eisen was basically asked Trey Lance, like, how how tough was this for you watching this season from the sidelines after your broken ankle, after everything that, that you thought this season might entail? It was hard. Um, it, was, it was hard for sure. Uh, ups and downs throughout the year. Um, it got easier when I found my role. I went in, you know, after uh, probably a few weeks after my, my first surgery. Right. Uh, and just talked to Kyle and was was like, man, what can I do? And then the follow-up, of course, from Rich Eisen is, okay, so what was your role? Like you were maybe essentially acting as as a coach, like an assistant coach there helping, you know, the quarterbacks. Like what was your role when you're on the sideline rehabbing from your ankle injury? I started with base downs. Um, started with base downs, breaking down pressures, um, especially once Brock started playing it, it definitely picked up, which is around the time of my second surgery, right before my second surgery. Um, but I, I needed something. I needed something to, to feel like I was contributing. Uh, that was that was the hardest thing for me was getting to that spot where I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm doing my rehab. I'm in the meetings. I'm asking the right questions. But I, I didn't feel like I was 
truly helping uh, when, a lot of time when, when Jimmy was playing. And obviously, Jimmy's a vet. Jimmy's done it. He played a really very high level. Right. Um, but once once Brock took over, like I, I felt like I needed to help. Uh, so whatever it was, base down pressures, third down pressures, red zone, um, I just tried to help as much as I could. And again, that's Trey Lance on the Rich Eisen, uh, Eisen show from, from Wednesday of this week. I don't know how you can listen to that, Evan, and you, you hear Brock or you hear Trey Lance saying, I felt like I needed to to help my team somehow, even though I'm injured and I can't find the field. I got to do anything I can to help this team, specifically when Brock Purdy became the starting quarterback. And, you know, they have a rookie going out there with not much experience and, and Trey Lance, not much experience himself, but he's doing everything he can to help him be successful. I feel like we tend to overlook great teammates uh, because uh, generally bad teammates get more press than good teammates. Uh, but good teammates are rare. And Trey Lance is a great teammate from all that we can tell, Evan. Uh, and I'm I'm really glad we got a little bit of a peek behind the curtain for Trey Lance this season via Rich Eisen. It's, it's why I, I wish the Niners made Trey Lance available for interviews more this season because we would have heard more of these uh, – I don't know, these little bits and pieces of information throughout the regular season. Uh, Trey Lance, as you said, seems like a fantastic person and did everything he can to help this team. And I, I listen to him talk and every sentence, every word that he says, it it gets harder for me to write him off. And I know I have done that at times. You know, I've said Brock Purdy's the future of, of this team. He's the starting quarterback week one, no doubt, as long as he's healthy. And I know it's just word that it's not action on the field. And I know that's what you're talking about. But every time I hear Trey Lance say something, Evan, uh, it gets harder and harder for me to write him off because just the way that he talks, he makes it easy for you to believe in him. That That's how I feel listening to Trey Lance. I get it. I, I feel the same way. But the question from a lot of fans, from people in the NFL, maybe from people on the team is going to be, Okay, so does that mean he's he's your starting quarterback? Uh, I I mean I've I talked about it early in the episode. If there's any kind of issue with with Brock Purdy's injury, his recovery, Trey Lance will start Week One, and then at that point, Evan, it doesn't matter if the original plan was Brock Purdy's your starting quarterback Week One or not. If you get a chance to start to open up a season and you perform well. You do not have to give up your job once the the incumbent, the expected starter returns. That's not how this league works. If you're playing great, you're not leaving. So if if there is any hiccup, and I know it might feel like I'm rooting for that to happen because I as you I believe in Trey Lance, but I'm I'm not rooting for that to happen. But for Trey Lance's perspective, if you get that opportunity, you do not have to give it up just because you were not the expected starter going in to start the season. Yeah, I, I personally feel like the more likely outcome is Brock Purdy does come back. He does start the season for the 49ers, and whether it be due to injury or regression or in all likelihood, some combination of both, that the 49ers start slow and Kyle Shanahan determines it's time to go to Trey. I I, I think that is how I see, see the most likely path for Trey Lance to play and start outside of, of course, an injury occurring to the starting quarterback. So it look, we'll, we'll never know, but we'll certainly be paying attention to Trey Lance whenever he opens his mouth this summer. And he's going to get to do it a lot, I think. And he's going to have a chance to prove doubters wrong. And he's going to have a chance to 
hopefully change some minds in that organization because he was originally drafted to be the franchise quarterback and unfortunately hasn't had a chance to do that because first year stuck behind Jimmy second year, he got injured and now he may or may not be stuck behind another quarterback. So the saga of Trey Lance continues. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, and I think like you said, to start the episode, like I said earlier this week, maybe it was last week. This is the off season that I think can make or break Trey Lance's career, at least with the San, San Francisco, Francisco 49ers. Yeah. yeah, at least he will get an, another chance somewhere else. If it's not in San Francisco, unless things just go absolutely terrible for him. But if he wants to to make something out of you know his career with the team that drafted him, it's do or die time right now. He has to have a fantastic offseason, and he has to, at the very least, make Kyle Shanahan comfortable playing him, whether it's because of injury or because of poor play by Brock Purdy. Make Kyle Shanahan comfortable and make Kyle Shanahan believe in you. And then once you get your chance, don't let go. You know, Keep pulling on that rope. And, and don't give up. That's that's the way to success for Trey Lance. And if it doesn't happen this offseason, and if he fails potentially in a chance this coming regular season, Evan, uh, his Niners career is probably over. So this is a, a do-or-die time for Trey Lance. Oh, knock on wood. I certainly hope not. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We appreciate all the support throughout our first regular season doing the podcast now into our first off season uh, covering all things San Francisco 49ers. And of course, I, I know we're all talking about the quarterbacks and the announcement about the surgeries, but the Niners actually did make a hire this week, Mark. And I know we talked about potential defensive coordinators last week and on Monday's episode, but they hire Steve Wilkes, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. Of course, he took over as the interim there. Once Matt rule was fired, he was, I think largely responsible for their turnaround and near nearly making the playoffs in a putrid uh, NFC South, but still without his best weapon in Christian McCaffrey, he helped the team get better. And now he moves into Kyle Shanahan's um, saddle as far as the 49ers and their DC. And he becomes the fourth um, minority for a, for a coordinator for the 49ers, of course, following Robert Sala, uh, Mike McDaniel being the other one, and then D'Amico Ryan. So I think it's a good hire. It seems to fit all sides, Mark. And from what it sounds like, Steve Wilkes and what Kyle Shanahan was looking for will be able to kind of move in seamlessly and help continue, hopefully, what was the number one defense last year. Yeah, what Kyle Shanahan said was, we want a guy who is able to or already runs the same scheme that we run, and, and that is okay with a lot of our current defensive staffers because we feel like we have – uh, you know, a good staff around, you know, the head coach and the coordinators. And we feel like our players are suited for the scheme that we're currently running. So goal number one for the 49ers was one, make sure they're, you know, a qualified candidate, but two, make sure that they are able to, and they are good at running the scheme that you already run. And while there are some differences in, in terms of how Steve Wilkes calls a football game on the defensive side of things, he does run a, a similar scheme for the 49ers. He has lots of experience in the NFC, as you mentioned, most recently with Carolina this past season. He was uh, originally their defensive passing game coordinator and their secondary coach. And then, of course, as you said, when Matt Rule was fired, he was promoted to the interim head coach. Did a great job. 
His only other head coaching experience is with the Arizona Cardinals in 2018, which did not go well. He was only there for one year. Uh, he, he bounced around. He went to college for a little bit, was a D.C. with uh, with Missouri, but has experience uh, all over the place. He's been with Carolina more than anywhere else. He was also there from 2012 all the way to 2017. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator there, the assistant head coach for a year at the end of his first stint with the Panthers. Uh, so generally speaking, he has a lot of experience in the NFC. He has been in the NFC West before. Uh, and as far as I can tell, Evan, after Vic Fangio accepted a job with the Miami Dolphins, he was the next best candidate. Uh, and the Niners got their guy. So you got to credit them for that. They pounced. Uh, they got a quality guy. Um, I know I, I read earlier this week that Chris Kassarek, the, the the great defensive line coach for the 49ers, was in on the meetings, at least one of the meetings with Steve Wilkes. Uh, and, you know, he signed off on it as well. They got along well. They, they feel like they can work with each other well. So, so that's a good sign as well. But, yeah, by all accounts, this is a good hire for the 49ers. Of course, time will tell. And, and it could be a good decision for Steve Wilkes because the last two defensive coordinators for the 49ers have gone on to head coaching jobs. Uh, so maybe that's in the future as well for Steve Wilkes. But uh, it does seem like the Niners – got uh, a relative pick of the litter for, from other defensive coordinator positions. Aside from Big Fangio, this seemed like the most popular name out there. And he's also going to have some challenges. Look, it's going to be a secondary that may or may not have to be remade because three of the starting four right now, if you include Emmanuel Mosley, who had his season cut short by injury, are currently free agents with Jimmy Ward, Deshaun Gibson, and the aforementioned Mosley. So, it, maybe the secondary wasn't the best unit on that defense for the 49ers, but Steve Wilkes is not going to have, I think, the benefit of the entire you know unit that D'Amico Ryan's had last year. So he'll have his like he'll have a challenge in front of him. But of course, he does get Nick Bosa. He inherits Fred Warner. He inherits a long list of up and comers as well. Telano Hufanga being at the top, Travis Ward as well, and I'm sure the 49ers will hopefully try and bring in. Uh, maybe not as big of a name as Traverius Ward like last year, but of course we'll try and bring in pieces around to reform that defense and as well as that that defensive line as well. Um, but the other piece of of news, Mark, that we we have to get to this week. I know we mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo and how he. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be here next year, but the larger story, as reported by Tim Kalakami of The Athletic, was the fact that Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo had somewhat of a falling out prior to the NFC title game, and that led to some speculation as to maybe why he was not suited up for that game. I don't know what you think about it, Mark. I don't think that, number one, Jimmy Garoppolo could have played in that game, two, should have played in that game, and three, even if he was anywhere close to... Like, like there were the report from Jay Glazer was that he could have um, done more than Brock Purdy, which is as to say he had a right arm that worked. So, I, I don't, I don't know what what you make of all this, Mark. But to me, I, I, I don't think it. I, I don't hold it against Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for not playing in that game. Nor do I necessarily think that it's all that strange that he and the team that he is now parting ways with had a quote unquote falling out. Yeah, so what 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 Tim Kawakami reported was the relationship between Garoppolo and then Shanahan and Lanch seems to have gone a bit south 
in the days or weeks leading up to the NFC Championship game. And and he went on to say he doesn't really know if there was a specific thing or if this was more of kind of a, a season-long thing that developed as the weeks went along. And never did Tim Kawakami say he thought potentially Jimmy Garoppolo could have suited up and maybe Kyle Shanahan asked him to in the NFC Championship game and Garoppolo declined. That has not been reported by any reputable source. I know there have been some co- uh, you know, thoughts or comments about that, but nothing by any substantiated, you know, legitimate person in the media. That is, as you're saying, kind of the natural line, the natural progression of things. Why would Kyle Shanahan be so upset and so terse when asked about Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of season press conference? Was it because he wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be ready for the NFC championship game and suit up in the chance that Brock Purdy goes down with an injury? Of course, it happened. Jimmy Garoppolo was not suited up. But again, we don't really know why. What's more likely is simply he just wasn't ready yet and team doctors did not clear him. Uh, and, of course, we all know the story after that. Josh Johnson also gets hurt, and the Niners get blown out in the NFC Championship game. However, Evan, I, I think this is what you're getting at early. I 100% expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be upset with Kyle Shanahan. Why wouldn't he be? Are you kidding me? Everything that he has been put through with this organization, he played fantastic. He helped turn this team around. He got them to a Super Bowl. And yes, I understand his shortcomings. And then this team drafts his replacement. They sell the farm to get his replacement. And guess what? They still start Jimmy Garoppolo in Trey Lance's rookie year. And then what happens? They tell Jimmy Garoppolo, we're going to trade you. We're going to set you up. We're going to put you in a great position this offseason. And what happens? They end up keeping him, and they bring him on to be the backup behind Trey Lance. And then Trey Lance gets hurt, and Jimmy Garoppolo saves the season. And then he gets hurt, and and now Brock Purdy takes the shine away and and plays fantastic. And now everyone's all up in arms that Jimmy Garoppolo is upset over Kyle Shanahan. Are you kidding me? Any human being would be upset if they were in Jimmy Garoppolo's situation. Any human being would tell Kyle Shanahan, hell no, I'm not risking further injury to save you in a potential situation if Brock Purdy gets hurt in the NFC title game. I have myself to look out for. I'm trying to get a contract somewhere else this offseason. You're telling me you want me with a compromised foot to go into the NFC championship game and potentially get hurt against a ferocious defensive line? Hell no, I'm not doing that. Jimmy Garoppolo is upset at Kyle Shanahan, and he should be. And the fact that Kyle Shanahan is treating Jimmy Garoppolo like some quarterback that he doesn't care about or doesn't need is such a joke because Kyle Shanahan has needed Jimmy Garoppolo every step of the way of his tenure with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo has a right to be upset and has a right to tell Kyle Shanahan, hell no, whenever he wants. He has earned that much. We also don't know what he said, which to me is about about as um, supportive of a Jimmy G cider as anything, which is, like you said, he's got every reason to be pissed off and yet has not once gone public with any of his issues with the 49ers or Kyle Shanahan. Uh, The other part of it, too, Mark, is Kyle Shanahan has never suited three quarterbacks ever. (laughs) Like, it just, he doesn't do it. So to expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be 
suited up means he would have had to have proven that at whatever level of health his ankle was heading into the title game, which by all accounts was not great because the original timeline for his injury put him at about the NFC Championship, but more realistically, the Super Bowl. If that, he would have had to prove that he could beat out Josh Johnson, who had two stable legs. So, no, I I, I don't really see any of the Jimmy G um, issues at this point. And yeah, like he's heading into a contract year. He's not going to do anything to to uh, you know undermine that because he already did it last year. Like he played through a shoulder injury, yes. he played with a broken thumb, and what was he rewarded with? A sorry, Jimmy. I guess we can't ship you out. You okay with coming back as the backup? And then he made the best for himself. But that doesn't mean that he owes the 49ers anything. I don't think the 49ers owe Jimmy Garoppolo anything, no. and vice versa. Like the the biggest sin that Jimmy Garoppolo ever made was being a non-Super Bowl caliber quarterback, which is about 95% of quarterbacks in this league. He has never once killed any of his teammates. He has never once thrown the organization under the bus. He has been about, at, like, we're talking about Trey Lance and you say all the right things and you're rooting for him. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo has kind of been that guy. So, I, I don't know. And and you yourself have not been the biggest Jimmy G fan. No. So to hear, so to hear you say that, I think, is, is reassuring. No, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I've talked about his shortcomings as a football player all the time, but the fact of the matter is he has been a godsend to this organization. Consider where this team was before Jimmy Garoppolo and consider where they are now. I'm not saying it's all Jimmy Garoppolo. Certainly it's not. This is a fantastic roster, and they've had pretty good leadership now for five, six, seven years. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo playing the most important position on the field is a big reason why this franchise has had a lot of success over the last few years, Evan. And uh, both bo both sides can be frustrated with how everything played out. But Jimmy Garoppolo is 100 uh, percent in the right to be frustrated and to. If Kyle Shanahan asked him perhaps to suit up a little bit before he was fully healthy, he has it completely in his rights to say, deuces, I'm out. No way in hell. I've got my livelihood to protect. I'm probably the second most sought-after quarterback on the open market this coming season. I know there are potentially trades, but if you're talking about players that are available for anyone to get, and not Derek retired. Carr, and not retired, true, Tom Brady, not Tom Brady, but it's Derek Carr who the, the Raiders still have under contract, but they are totally willing to let anyone talk to him. I mean, the Saints have already been talking to Derek Carr. It's Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not doing anything to risk that. And uh, so, yes, I'm, I am totally on Jimmy Garoppolo's side in, in this conversation. Maybe for the first time ever. I'm proud of you, Mark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm still just I'm still just flustered from my uh, lost bet. The damn Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, sorry about getting that. in my head. Well, on that note, we will chuck up the deuces to end this episode. Mark needs to go recover and place probably another chasing bet at this point. Uh, <sighs> I am going to try and apologize. However, I can. Mark is going to deny me, but that is OK, because <laughs> this has been the 415ers, as always, coming to you two times a week now in the offseason on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Look out for the next episode and uh, follow us on social media at 415ers, Twitter, Instagram, all the rest. We appreciate you, Mark. Thank you, my man. Uh, I'll talk to you next time. Yes, yeah, sounds good, Evan. Looking forward to it already.